Hello and welcome to this Lumen Verum Apologetics Lecture by John Manor on the topic, Christian Discipleship. This September 2008 recording comes from one of Lumen Verum's Friday Evening Apologetics Lectures at St. Michael the Archangel Parish in Belfield. John Manor is a high school teacher with a Bachelor of Theology from the Catholic Institute of Sydney, a Master of Theology from the Broken Bay Institute, and a DepEd from the University of Notre Dame. I want to begin tonight to just together think about one of the prayers that I picked up from St. Augustine of Hippo. And, and if we could just, just think about this prayer in relation to the work that we are involved in, because we're all disciples. And I'm going to talk about what disciple means, I'm going to talk about what authentic means, I'm going to talk about how it all relates to our faith in light of um, St. Paul's teaching on the church. So, St. Augustine's prayer begins, Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work, too, may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me, then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. I think this prayer is really, for me, it, it challenges me every day. It reminds me of my call, and each one of us, it should remind us of our call, that we have to be called to holiness, to be called to holiness before we can do any work of, of, of God. You know, you have to, we have to really think about our life and the way that we're living our life. So I would like to start my topic now with authentic discipleship. I'm going to look at from Scripture, the Great Commission, the Great Commission, the passage known as the Great Commission, and that was the passage that Jesus proclaimed before um, he ascended to heaven, shortly before he ascended to heaven. And it's from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's a twofold message here in the verse. Evangelization, the proclamation of the faith, the going out, going out to, to all nations, to all people, so there's no barrier, there's no, there's no hindrance. The specific call is to all nations, of all races, all people. So my faith is not something which is uh, belonging to a certain group alone. It's not restricted to a, a chosen few, as in the Old Testament or in the Jewish tradition the called or the chosen ones. And the second point is the conversion of heart and, and the call to baptism, forgiveness of sins. And so the call is to go out. And he, Jesus was talking to who was he talking? Do we know who, to who he was talking? 
when he said that passage? Yes. Who goes out to baptize? Do we all go out to baptize or is it a specific call? Who goes out to baptize from all nations? Who's the call for, Robert? Who's the call for from the passage? When at that point he's talking to 120 people as a disciple. So the disciples. And there's a great confusion between disciple and apostle. I once was asked, what's the difference between a disciple and apostle? Okay, what's the difference between a disciple? Well, the apostles were disciples. And the scriptures refers many times that they were disciples. So a disciple, we need to know the definition of disciple, which I'm going to look at now. And then I'm going to give you a definition of apostle. And then you'll know why apostles can be called disciples as well as apostles. And you'll know why they use both terms. So let's look at the word disciple. One can define a disciple as a follower of Jesus and his teachings. The term disciple is used to describe all who responded to Jesus' message. For example, in Luke 6.17. And all of those travelled with him, all of those that travelled with him were called his disciples. As Christians, we are all disciples of Jesus. Luke 14. 26-27. A learner, one who learns, but learns by close relationship. And that's something we continue as disciples as well. We continue to learn and to grow when we are close to Christ, in union with Christ. It's a close relationship with the divine teacher, the great teacher, the greatest teacher. A disciple is one who embraces and reveals to others the truth of Jesus Christ. So it's not a personal thing. It's something which is a communal thing. Something which involves me, my God, and my neighbour. I have to continue to remember that. At times we like our faith to be personal. Because it's much more convenient to be personal. People don't like me praying the rosary. People don't like me going to adoration. People don't like me doing this. They think I'm crazy. I'm not normal. So I don't share anything with them and I don't proclaim the truth to them because that's their business. But here tonight, we're looking at Scripture. We're looking at the great commission, the great command that Christ gave, as Robert said, not only to the apostles, to all Christians, go. To all nations, to all people. Continual call. A disciple is one who embraces the call. And reveals to others the truth of Jesus. How do I reveal the truth? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real question. A really difficult question. Who am I, a sinner, a weak human, to be able to reveal something so great? It's because God works through me. And later on we'll talk about how, humans can be, how we can be instruments and how we are instruments. A disciple is both a teacher and a learner. A teacher and a learner. Now I'd like to look at the word authentic. What does the word authentic mean? I would like to take something from scripture which really reflects what it means to be an authentic disciple. Dear friends, this comes from 1 John. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Think about that, think about that very carefully. I can go on forever to talk about atoning sacrifice for our sins. Think about very carefully about the sacrifice. Because with discipleship, with discipleship comes the cross. With discipleship comes the journey. If the master went through it, then be prepared for the student to go through it as well. For us to go through it. There is a cross. The sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And His love is made complete in us. What a beautiful part there when you think about it. That God's love is made complete by my response, by my acceptance of God working through me as a disciple. God working through my life, through the family, through my work, through the people that I love and through the people that maybe don't love me or maybe the people that don't understand me or the people that don't want to be in my life. That God's love is made complete in us when we go out. When we go out to love, God's love is complete in us through our forgiveness, through our acceptance of the cross. We know that we live in Him and He is in us because He has given us of His Spirit. 1 John 4, 7-12 This, I believe, is an authentic Christian or a definition for an authentic Christian and an authentic church. St. Paul in Corinthians says, If I have all the knowledge and the wisdom, but I do not have love, then I am nothing. I'm like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And later on tonight I'll talk about how love is very important and as well as our response as disciples, the response that we make actively. And so authentic means to be genuine. Authentic means not to be fake, to be real. What you see is what you get, as they say. Truly, this is what comes with the package. As a disciple, this is who I am because I believe this is the truth. And no matter what takes place in my life, I'm not afraid to live out and to believe that I am living the truth, living out the truth of Jesus Christ, that I must not be afraid. So many times Pope John Paul II speaks about not being afraid, and I believe, I think it was his motto when he 
became the Pope. That he, I think it was, be not afraid. Am I correct in that? Yeah. And, and so much did that flow through his papacy where it was always about not being afraid. He was a great, great prophet of his time. You know, because if you think about it today, we're now experiencing this fear. We're experiencing this fear. If you speak about faith, religion to young people today, they're very interested, but yet they're very afraid because of the perception that comes with it. You know, the way that society has presented it, the way that the world is presenting it today. Authentic means to belong to Christ. It means to belong to the apostolic church, not our own. Gee, how many times have we met people that belong to such and such church? And, okay, who's the pastor there? Oh, a friend of mine, he used to be a Catholic, but he found the real, the real faith. He found God now. He found God, you know, he's... He's been saved because he's opened up a church. He's, um, he's been saved because he's established something according to what he believes is the truth. So it's not proceeding from the original, not from the apostolic tradition. So if we want to talk about authentic, we need to look at that apostolic tradition. We need to look at the history. We need to look at where we're coming from. It's about practicing what you preach. So many times I say to my students, to my friends, to the people I belong with in church, and I say to myself before anyone else, it is so easy to become a church of acts, A-C-T-S, if we follow Christ. But it is even easier to become just a church of facts, F-A-C-T-S. I can know everything. I can proclaim the truth, but not touch lives as a disciple, because they remain words. If the Holy Spirit's in me, then I can inspire others, because it's God who then inspires, not me. It's God then who works through me, not me. It's not John Manor. It's not Father so-and-so. It's not Robert. It's not Arlette. It's not individuals. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. So genuine means it's not just about information. So many times when people say to me, wow, you've got all these qualifications in theology, and it's like, what's so exciting about that? I learn a lot more when I come to Lumen Verum. I learn a lot more when I open the catechism. I learn a lot more when I go to church and I allow the scriptures to speak to me and the priest proclaiming the gospel when I come to Mass. Because every day I renew my faith and every day I continue to, to learn something. And every day we should all continue to learn and allow God's Holy, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. All of these things are only things that equip us to be in places. They equip us to take on roles. But once we're there, it's God who works through us and in us. It's not individuals. A disciple is one who abides in Jesus' word. John 8.31 It also requires one to be a doer of the word. Matthew 7.21.27 Why do you have to be a doer of the word? Because it's easy to proclaim. It's easy to proclaim the word. Anyone can tell you the truth. But the difficult part is to, to live it. That difficult part is to live it. 
So a disciple is one who bears much fruit. How do you know the disciple? You know them by the fruit. Jesus says, you know the tree by its fruit. A tree that's in good soil, a tree that's a, a good tree bears good fruit. And so we notice the word much in the verse. One who bears much fruit. John 15, 8. Why is the word much there? It's also found in verse 5. Why is the word much there? Jesus is not talking about an occasional deed. It's not about feeling sorry for that man in Pitt Street in Sydney and giving him a dollar and saying you've done your deed or about seeing a child on screen and say, well, I've given $10 and I've done my deed or $30 or whatever that is and I've done my deed. It's not about that. But it's a lifestyle that we're called to as disciples. It's a lifestyle that prompts people to glorify God in everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we think, in every movement that we take, every step that we make, we need to glorify God because we are here on this earth, we are here on this earth, disciples, remember the word disciples, we are disciples and the disciple is one who a disciple is one who follows the master, one who continues to journey, one who continues to take from the teacher, the great teacher, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that later, about the sacraments and, and other means as well through the church. A disciple must always put Jesus first. Luke 14, 26. Before anyone else including members of our own family. That's a very tough call. And it's amazing because I've travelled around the world to different countries and my most of my trips would be in the Middle East. And it's amazing how many young people, when I go to the, visit the monasteries, have dedicated their life and have accepted the call to become a nun or a priest. And, and it's amazing because they tell you stories. When you talk to them, my mother didn't want me here or my father didn't want me here. Though they were happy for me, they were really worried because, you know, they knew there was a lot of sacrifice being made in this life and they would rather me have children and see, my grand, you know, see them have grandchildren. You get all those stories. But with that, also you get a rejection of family, you get a rejection of what people think you should be doing and a total surrender to what God is calling you to do. So as a disciple, to, to be able to discern, to be able to discern and to know God's will, you need to reject sometimes the voices, the members in our life that might turn us away from the true master, the divine master. And our temptations of the world are great. Even before, own, before one's own self. One who accepts there is a cross to carry. A disciple needs to accept that there is going to be suffering. And there's going to be hardships. Gee, I would love discipleship to be, you know, just following Christ as, a, as an, an idol and saying, Gee, he was a great man, our Lord, you know, he, he died for us and what a great person to be remembered. And we just 
treat it like a history, our faith like a history book. We look back and we say, well, that's a great event in our life, everybody. That's a great event. It's not about that. Discipleship, our Lord said, you must carry your cross and you must follow me. So a disciple is one who walks in the footsteps of Christ. And there's consequences, a price to pay in that. And there's a great price to pay because we get hardships that we don't expect from the people that you least expect them from. Christ was rejected by his own people. In scripture we hear, a prophet was not welcome in his own hometown. Why? His own people rejected him. The same week they were screaming out, Hosanna, they were the same people that were screaming out, crucify him. And this, the mystery of the why, will never be understood. What we need to understand is that as disciples, we're called to imitate our Lord and Saviour, in that accepting God's will in our life. And I just want to note a point here, out of, a bit off the topic. The surrendering is such an important part of discipleship. I visit hospitals on, on some occasions where people are ill, and, and, and I really I find great joy in, in, in being some kind of a help if I can when I do visit. And sometimes it's not saying anything, it's just being there. You know, it's just being there that Christ can work with the, someone just being in front of someone who's really ill. And I find with case of uh, cancer patients, uh, a believer, one who is uh, a believer, who is a firm believer, and a pan, as opposed to a cancer patient who is not a really firm believer and, and not really understanding the cross or the, the, the whole sense of discipleship. And you get the one who is not a believer saying, why has Jesus done this to me? Why has God done this to me? Why do I have to suffer? I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. I've got a family that I'm leaving behind. Why is he doing this to me? Why am I suffering? Why is this going on? This is wrong. This is not right. And then to the other extreme, you visit a patient who suffers from the same uh, thing and you get a deep sense of peace. Your will be done. This is the most difficult point in someone's life. And to surrender and to accept God's will at that moment, in your suffering, in your hardest time, in the times where it's most difficult, is what discipleship is about. You don't have to understand why. But what you need to understand is Christ walked before you and he carried the cross for you. And you only touch a slight burden. I'm sorry, you only experience slight burdens in life until you carry that cross and you truly surrender, you will not experience the joy of what it means to be a disciple. And I know it sounds weird. How can you experience joy from suffering? I know it sounds very weird. But let me tell you, if you really believe that God is working through your life, like all the saints that suffered, your heart will be at peace. Though your body is rotting in cancer, illnesses, whatever it be, or though you are persecuted in the heart of your, your place and you have been isolated and pushed aside, you will continue to experience joy if Christ lives in you. Because you are a true disciple. Mary McKillop 
Blessed Mary McLeod was excommunicated by the church, by the leaders of the church. But she continued to experience peace because she was united to Christ. And then it was, an, then the church accepted that it was, a, it was wrong and it wasn't the right thing they had done. And then everything was fixed up. And as soon as it was fixed up, nothing changed in her life. Her relationship with, with God did not change. So if she was excommunicated or not excommunicated, nothing changed. And nothing should change as disciples. No matter what situation we're put in. No matter where we're appointed. No matter where we're sent. No matter where we go. Nothing should change. Because God is planning something for me, which is great. And I need to believe this. I need to accept this. Now if you think about the plan of God... How God decided to, out of His great love, unite His divinity with our humanity. And how we share in creation, sharing creation and creating life. Or how a priest, or how a man takes on the priesthood. No human being is worthy of the grace. Or how a disciple accepts Christ and takes Christ into their heart, their body, their soul, their mind, and how we accept Christ. It's a blessing, it's a grace given to us, and the sacraments strengthen us. The sacraments play a vital role in the life of a disciple. And I'm going to talk further about that later. But I now call, and I remind you, I now talk about uh, how... St. Teresa of Avila spoke with regards to disciples being as stewards, caretakers, liberators, instruments of, of God's love. St. Teresa of Avila reminds us, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ Compassion must look out on the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good in the world. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. Yes, brothers and sisters, the church is a sacrament. Sacrament of Christ. And we are all called as disciples to be sacramental people. So as a disciple, I can't push the sacraments aside and say, I'm doing my deed in the world. I'm paying my taxes and I'm, and I'm sponsoring a child somewhere in the other side of the world. I've done my deed. It's a common thing we do as Australians. You know, we, we sponsor a child and we've done our, our deed. You know, a lot of my students that I taught... Their parents say, oh yes, you know, so we do a good deed if, you know, we sponsor a child and we do this and we do that. And, and what people don't realise is that as disciples, the sacramental is, is everything. The sacraments is our life. It's, it's what brings life to us as disciples. It's what gives life to us. The Holy Spirit works through the sacraments and through different ways in our life and inspires us and moves us. To live as Jesus lived, that's where the authentic in brackets comes. Authentic is to live as Jesus lived. That's basically it. Authentic. 
To live as Jesus lived. To serve as Jesus served. I have come to serve, but not to be... I have come to serve and not to be served. We tend to forget that sometimes. We tend to forget that, that, that the offering of service, our Saviour did that before us. You know, that our Saviour taught us what discipleship is about. And, and for priests, for teachers, for, for, for parents, for children, for all people in the world. We need to be reminded, we need to be reminded that our Master, the greatest teacher, came to serve and not to be served. So as disciples, we need to remember that call to be servants. <clears throat> we need to love as Jesus loved. So here I talk about commitment. Commitment to our families, commitment to our, our mission, our, our goal in society, whatever we've chosen, to be committed to that and to live out that. And I, I said in the beginning of the talk, I said that it's not enough to get a degree from a Catholic organization. It's not enough to say I go to church and I do my, my hour a week. A commitment means more. A commitment is a surrender, we said. A commitment is a total giving of oneself. And then the Holy Spirit shapes us and shapes us as a community, not as an individual, shapes us as a community in the image and likeness of Christ. What better way to describe this community than to call it, as St. Paul did, what did Paul call the church? Come on, brothers and sisters, what did Paul say about the church? It is a body. And what did Paul say? What was the Pauline idea of the church? Okay, okay. and who is the head? Christ. And who is the part of the, who are the part of the body? Us. We all play a role. So we are a part of this body. So authentic discipleship has room for all. Please remember that. Please remember that. It has room for liberals. It has room for feminists. It has room for people who are uh, heretics. It has room for people who are um, outside of the church totally. Because this is who we're called to. Christ came for those who were ill, not for the healthy. <coughs> We're here in Scripture. Let me remind you of something very important that we all forget. The sacraments are a source of grace and strength. How great are the sacraments for someone who is in a, in a situation that really is suffering and, and have been burdened and they want to accept that in their life? How many times do we look at people and say, well, you know, Oh, that person, they fooled me, or they did something wrong, or he attacked me, or she, she was nasty to me, or they plotted against me. Not realising that God works in people's lives, and that God has already forgiven this person through the sacrament and through God's love and grace, but yet it's me who's the problem, because I haven't forgiven that person yet. We like to understand God in our own terms. We don't realise that. God's love, the, the, the God's forgiveness flows from the cross. As a story I'm reminded of, a young priest who was ordained, very enthusiastic and wanted to be a solid priest, a young man came into confession and said every sin that could have been said on the face of the earth. And this priest said to him, I can't forgive your sins. This is terrible. This is, this is, full, this is terrible. This is too full on. And this priest goes away and and he goes to sleep that night and 
he dreams of and he dreams of Christ on the cross and his blood flowing from the, from the cross and he and he and he sees Christ speaking to him saying it's my blood that flows from the cross you are just an instrument you are just a channel so the priest wakes up calls for that person and absolves him from his sin because God knows what's in the heart of that person not a priest not a teacher not a person God knows what's in our heart so we don't need to prove anything to anyone we don't need to prove anything as disciples we need to accept that God works in our life and that we need to work and allow God to work in our life because authentic discipleship as I said has room for all as a body is one though it has many parts and all the parts of the body though many are one so also Christ 1 Corinthians 12:12 12, 12. so important is unity Christ's words are clear let them be one as the father and I are one there is always room there is always room for discipleship there's always room for people for God to work and inspire and renew people though we don't see this we must be called to be witnesses continuously to all diversity with unity though there are many parts each part has a role to play but we're all united to Christ I will never be a Robert Haddad I'll never be a father slattery but I've got to accept that that each person in the church has their gifts and I've got to accept that they are my brothers and my sisters and that Christ is working through them as much as he can work through me as much as he's working through work through anybody true discipleship means to accept to accept as St Paul says that Christ is the head and we are part of this body And so as a disciple I have an active role. I have one, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and two, a relationship with others. Like I said earlier, it's easy to have a faith and believe in uh, and believe in the Christian faith because it's the truth. But true belief means to be inspired to to go out and to live. It's not about me and God alone, it's about it's about God working through me, me accepting God's will and me being able to live out God's will. And so it's about the neighbor, the person that I deal with on a regular basis. Our lives as they adhere to Christ in relationship, they make us and they well I could say they they impact on our relationships with others. You always know when someone's a believer. you know when someone's a believer every time someone treats me well in society and I I feel a sense of peace I say to them are you a believer and they say yes and they always say I'm a Christian or I'm a Catholic and I believe in Jesus Christ and their sense of peace is what draws me to ask that question I've had that with police officers I've had that with teachers I've had that with people working in government I've had that with people working in post office wherever they are I ask a quite a terrible question very personal question my wife says to me you know why do you ask such a personal question I said because I experience a sense of peace and I just believe that I'm talking to someone who is a believer and I have to ask that question and when I do I say thank you 
I said, thank you for letting me experience this peace that you're experiencing. Because it's through the way that you have dealt with me that you have brought me peace of Christ as well. It is through the way you have authentically administered to me as a, as a, a disciple and you have shown me God's love through your action that I accept that you are a believer and that I too can do the same for others. So discipleship, brothers and sisters, means discipline. We have to accept that it means discipline in our life. Without discipline, we cannot be disciples. Our Master, our Divine and sa- our divine Saviour Jesus had discipline in His life. A time for prayer, a time for fasting, a time to be in the wilderness away from people. We don't have that in this society. We need to make that. I went on an eight day retreat and it was terrible because I missed my family. Terribly. But it really helped my faith. It helped my spiritual faith because I realised how far away I was from God. I realised that how far away I was really and how much more I can do to become closer. Because the distractions in our life, not our family members, not the people that we love, but just everything else, the pressures of life, working, trying to survive, trying to get things done, all those things take us away from the real call, the call to become disciples, to become genuine, authentic, holy men and women. And, and if we don't remember that in everything we do, then we're only working for the temporary, not the eternal. And, and it's a danger. What do I want? Do I want the temporary or do I want the eternal? Vital discipline. Now it's very important in our discipline to have God's Word, so the Scripture, to have the sacraments, to have prayer, and to have love. These disciplines are actively viewed in the life of Jesus, therefore they must be ours as disciples. If you think about the life of Jesus, and you think your life as a disciple, a disciple, as Matthew says in, in his in Gospel, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. We must actively pursue and practice the disciplined life of prayer, the sacraments, and love, and we must continue to live this, and so that we can be authentic authentically disciples, authentic disciples. And so, we then disciple others authentically. Discipleship is a life discipline in prayer. Prayer is a vital discipline to following Jesus. How many times do we hear, you don't have to pray, the Lord knows what you need. You don't need to say anything. Well, let's look at scripture and think about why prayer is important. God insistently commands prayer in the Bible, Luke 18.1. Prayer is part of the process that God uses to give Christians the fullness of joy, John 16.24. Prayer is the Christian way out of trouble and the cure for all worry and anxious care, Peter, Psalms. Prayer is the only way to get the power of the Holy Spirit in our life for God's work, Acts. We can keep on going, there's a lot. Prayer accomplishes things. Through it we fight the spiritual warfare against temptation, against all evil. It's a spiritual guard. Ephesians, Matthew, Corinthians. It pleases God. Hebrews. Prayer maintains fellowship with God. John. I can go on. And yet we get today the same response. Why do you pray? Why do you recite your prayers, your words? Do you not know the God that you worship knows all things? Of course He knows all things. Prayer 
maintains my union with the God who knows all things. That's what it does. It maintains my union with the God who knows all things. Discipleship is a life disciplining God's word. And so the scripture should be um, actively part of my life, part of my every step that I make. It should be inspiring me, as with the sacraments equally as well. The word and the sacraments together, they continue to refresh, they continue to renew me, because the spirit works through these mediums, these very sacred, sacred mediums. Discipleship is a life discipline in love. I think tonight, if there's anything that you can take, it will be this. Let us fix our gaze, our eyes, on the one who leads us in our faith and brings it to perfection, Jesus. That's all I want to say. Look, I can go on forever tonight to talk about the truth because the truth is never ending and there's so many beautiful things that we can talk about about our faith. But tonight I would say to you, fix your eyes on Jesus and you won't be disappointed because he is the perfect one. So we spoke about discipleship. We spoke about what it means to be authentic disciples. Disciples in today's world, now we're getting to. That's how we're going with time. Disciples in today's world. Okay. Let us ask ourselves, how do I and how can I do this? I'd like you now to think about the work that you're part of. Okay? Once again, the life that you live. If you want to close your eyes, you can. If you want to be reflective. and Any way that you feel reflective. And I'm going to ask you a few things. And I'm going to ask them to myself. Is Jesus Lord of all? 1 Corinthians, Romans as well, 8, 9 to 17. Is Jesus Lord of all? Do you place Jesus as Lord of all? A disciple is willing to grow in Christ. Am I willing to grow in Christ? Or is it just a history book placed on my shelf, my Bible? Is it just something that's part of a tradition passed on to me? You see, it's quite easy as Catholics because we've had the truth given to us. We were blessed to have been brought up in the tradition or, you know, being brought up as a child in this great authentic way of life, the truth, the eternal truth, the, the, the absolute truth. And, and, and what happens is when everything goes so smoothly and you've got everything going well, it's the temptation is to always want to do something else and find something else. That's how we are as humans. You know, you get people that have got a lot of money and they say to you, you know, oh, you know, I make a lot of money as a, whatever, an agent or a, whatever I am, a solicitor or whatever. And, but I'm not happy, I want to try something else. And as soon as they try something else, they're not successful at it. Why aren't they successful at it? What's the reason why they're not successful at it? They're not successful at it is because uh, part of anything in life, we need to be content. And as human beings, we find it hard to be content. So if we're not content, if we're not content, that we've got certain talents and we've got to continue to renew ourselves in the work that we do because things can be, you know, boring and repetitive if we're not careful, no matter what we do. Even prayer can become like that if we're not careful. You know, we have to continue to renew and the way we do that is continue to be um, connected to Christ, the source of all, of all life and renewal. We need to continue to renew. 
ourselves and the way we live our life. A disciple surrenders himself to the Lord. So tonight I ask, how are we surrendering ourselves? There's a big problem in my life, my daughter, my son or my wife or my husband or whoever it is, and I see that as a real cross in my life, or there's something really worrying me, or there's some part of my life that I really cannot handle, have I surrendered it to the Lord? Or am I trying to solve it myself every time? You know, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to use my connections. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And then realize that no matter what you do, it's until you surrender that the Lord will be actively involved in your life because it's that surrendering. And where do we get that from? We get that from Romans. We get that from Galatians. We get that from, uh, we get that from Peter. And all these verses you can look up. I can give them to you if you want and look up. Surrendering is very much part of a discipleship. Are we deep in prayer? Are we worshipping Christ? Or is it just words on our tongue, on our mouth, that we proclaim? A disciple makes good decisions and is focused on God's will. A disciple is honest with God and others, 1 John 1 9. A disciple knows his abilities or her abilities, gifts and talents. Romans 12.1 A disciple is willing to submit to authority. Tonight I was moved to hear that, you know, though Robert wasn't wanting to do a particular ministry, he accepted that God's will is for him to do that. And it's the willingness that God can send us anywhere, at any time, at any place. And if we accept that, we can do great things. I said once to my sister, and I said to her, you know, I really don't know why I'm at, I'm at the place that I'm at at the moment. It's really tough. I want to go back into the school system because I want to do what I do best and what I enjoy and what I'm passionate about. And she said to me, and it's amazing because sometimes you have to listen to other people saying it to you. She said, God wants you there for a reason. And after one month, I now know what the reason is because I've surrendered. And when you surrender... You understand what God's doing in your life. And the hard bit is to surrender. That's the hardest bit. A disciple is one who is humble, sees that it's not me, but God working through me. A disciple is not greedy. Luke 12.15, Romans 12.14. A disciple is willing to wait on God's timing. Saul versus David, waiting on God's timing. A disciple confesses sin and repents from it. <coughs> a disciple will not have a trace of pride in him. A disciple is discerning. A disciple loves people and the lost in particular. God calls us to motivate, teach others and to move more in prayer and care for others. A disciple is a person who forgives. That's so important. A disciple is a person who forgives. I can go on. There's about 12 pages on what a disciple and the characteristics are. I'm not going to go on, but I'm going to say a disciple is a server with a servant heart who leads by servanthood. And this comes from Ephesians 2.10. Brothers and sisters, tonight... We are called 
as disciples to become authentic in everything we do and we say and proclaim and live because you are the light of the world a city built on a hill cannot be hidden no one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket but but on the lampstand and gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Authentic disciples go therefore and live. Thank you. You have been listening to a Lumen Verum Apologetics Lecture by John Manor. For more Lumen Verum Apologetics Lectures, visit Cradio.org.au